Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Stop spending a fortune on gimmicky shave tech you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. Get your first month for only five bucks with free shipping by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash Crystal, K-R-I-S-T-O-L, because it's Friday and that means it's the crystal clear edition of the podcast. Bill, before we start, I'd like to thank uh, President Trump for recording this podcast for us. Our producer wasn't available, so uh, we'll be using his taping system today. Yeah, I thought we had heard the last of taping systems in the White House, but Donald Trump seems to be suggesting maybe he's got one installed. I can't believe it. But <laughs> I, So Donald Trump wakes up in his tan rest and wetty pajamas. He tweets out that we may be canceling the press briefings if you guys are just going to pick on me for them you know, with your fact checking. And then the tweet that just so our listeners, everyone has in front of them. James Comey better hope there are no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. And Bill, something feels different. I haven't been in D.C. like you have our listeners. You have like real lives and stuff. I feel like we went this week from crazy, haha, Trump, and he's not really that focused, and maybe he's not that adept, but whatever, to now this has gotten really serious. The Watergate comparisons aren't as funny. My G. Gordon Liddy jokes are kind of hitting a tin ear this week. Did something change? Yeah, I think so. And of course, it began with the firing of Comey, but also with the justification Trump offered at the time for the firing of Comey. And I remember thinking that 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 evening when it came out, I, it's so funny. I left the office at five thirty. That was Tuesday, right? And I was going home a little early. Got in my car. I, said, I, thought, I remember you saying, "Kind of a slow day." Yeah. So I said that to you. I said that to Mike Warren on the way out. Uh, I passed his office as I head to the door, and I said, "Yeah, kind of." He said, "Yeah, the last day or two is pretty slow." But but Mike Warren said, "But you know, by nine p.m. tonight, something will have happened." And sure enough, I got in my car at 5.42 or something. Mike (laughs) called me and said, oh, something's happened. So firing Comey is one thing. And there have been ways to do it that one could have imagined being, being, you know, would have been a bit of a story story anyway. But there are ways you could have arranged it that it wouldn't have been a huge deal. Bill Clinton fired his FBI director early in his term. Uh, He had... uh, brief people ahead of time on the problems with the guy. He had a, a respectable replacement set up and ready to go the next day. You know, he wasn't under investigation. He wasn't personally at that point, I think, under investigation <laughs> by the FBI. So that, that People forget, there was that narrow window yes, when right. Bill Clinton was not, in so, fact, under investigation. But, but, you know, so maybe the Comey firing, I think it was imprudent anyway, but could have been. But I remember that night thinking, boy, that statement they put out is weird. Someone, isn't anyone working in the White House Counsel's Office? Trump put out, remember, that three-paragraph statement, the central paragraph of which, the second paragraph of which was, and I've been assured three times times by Comey in private meetings that I'm not under investigation. That is just asking for trouble. What does it even mean? I don't think an FBI... A, why is Trump asking him? Is that appropriate? If if your campaign's under investigation, asking a subordinate, am I under investigation? Looks kind of cover-up-ish or (laughs) intimidating-ish, you know, if you want to keep your job, say no. Secondly... The investigations are investigations. You cannot be under investigation, and then if your name comes up in someone's testimony, you're right. under investigation. So it means nothing to say you're not. I mean, there are mm-hmm. some legal issues, as I understand it, of being a target or a subject in terms right. of your uh, legal rights and Miranda and so forth. But it means nothing. So Trump indulges himself because he wanted to clear himself, so to speak, by putting that in his own statement. And what that told me was that the staff has no influence. There's not a. It is. Inc- I'm not a lawyer, but it's inconceivable to me that Don began a serious experienced lawyer thought that's a prudent thing to put in a statement and if they can't talk him out of that uh, fine, they can't talk about a firing Comey. You want to do that, but they couldn't even talk him into doing it with in a legally careful mm-hmm. way. They couldn't talk him into waiting 48 hours so they could line up a little right. bit of a communication strategy. That told me, whoa, he is just doing what he wants. The staff has either given mm-hmm. up or is incapable of shaping things. And then we have so that was bad already. 
as a B, I would say, having been around Washington a little bit and seen some of these uh, legal investigations, FBI-type investigations, fairly or unfairly, and it is sometimes unfair, a legal investigation is different from a PR problem. You know, Trump has, you know, he's crazy. He's easy. He, the messaging is confusing. He tweets. He does this. He does that. And the media, for the first day or two, Wednesday, Thursday of this week, was sort of, well, that's another kind of PR fiasco right. for Trump. But that's different. When you are in a legal investigation, suddenly things aren't just PR problems. They're actual legal problems, potentially. And that, I think, is what we're now seeing with these. And then, of course, this morning we get the fantastic, uh, I'm taping, you know, I mean, I assume he's not taping Comey. If he had, I don't know what the legal status of that would have been. The idea that you could just tape him and then release, threaten to release those tapes. I don't believe if it's a government taping at the White House, I don't think the president has like the personal authority to sort of, I'm releasing these and not these. You're inviting Congress to say, and I think this will happen very soon, uh, is the president have a taping? Does the president have a taping system at the White House? Adam Schiff already has. And if so... Would like to see some of sure, these. Exactly. I mean, so you're just opening an unbelievable. Uh, what's the? What am I looking for? Not Pandora's box. Is that whoever? It yeah, is? Pandora's yeah, box of, of just door. horrors yes. here. I mean, it's and it, no one is telling him. Wait a second, slow down here. You know, it's fun to kind of jab back, but do it in a way that is just a jab and not something that's going to end up bouncing back against you. And so, in that respect, I do think we're now in sort of in, in somewhat different territory so than we you, were a week ago. What you're saying is that. Uh, bringing on as a special advisor G. Gordon Liddy was not the right move. No, there, there is a difference in tone, and does it have to do with legality? My position has been from the beginning on the Russian thing. After that first dump of documents came out, then nothing happened. You're going, well, if there's something, it's going to. How did it not come out? I still say no one has laid out for me the collusion argument that shows me how Russia and t- Trump could have teamed up to steal the election, assuming they weren't messing with votes or whatever. So. It's maybe there's a mis, you know, Paul Manafort. Who knows what scams right. those guys are doing? But Trump, you just I can't see the path to Trump, and yet Trump is almost hyping the idea that this is he is creating a cover up that doesn't have a crime to cover that is turning into its own semi crime. And I see the difference in the attitude. The silence, for example, from his allies in Capitol Hill is deafening. I totally agree. I mean, some of the worst cover-ups have been either of trivial crimes or things that probably weren't even crimes. Right. And sometimes it's very unfair. You'll misstate something to the FBI. I think, right. and maybe Scooter Libby, if it did, if he, mm-hmm. if he did misstate something, and you end up getting convicted of something where there's, there's no underlying crime at all. Right. But that's what the the, the the turf they're now playing on. It's very dangerous. Um, he doesn't seem to have people around him who can tell him how dangerous this is. And I think when you talk to people who've been around Washington in a while, and I've noticed this talking to some people on the Hill this week. It's the tone has changed a lot. Suddenly, the fervent Trump defenders have got a little silent. The Trump critics are a little more emboldened, mm-hmm. and people are quietly saying, "Well, what is going on?" It's one. Think of the executive order in the first week. That was a mess. That wasn't well staffed. Probably the legalities could have been checked out more. The PR thing was a disaster. That's the first week of the administration, and everyone thought, "Okay, that happens right at the beginning." And it was a campaign promise of Trump's and all this. This is really. Um, Unnerving people, partly because we're past 100 days. Allegedly, the you know the kinks have been worked out. The administration staffed, uh, and so forth. And to get your to your point, if there's nothing to as Trump said, if there's nothing to the Russia Trump connection, if it's invented after the fact by the Democrats to justify losing, to excuse their losing the election, if there's nothing to it. He has nothing to fear. Exactly. I mean, that is what's crazy about it. I mean, so do you think it's crazy? The, the FBI is not going to manufacture evidence <laughs> against a sitting president of the United States, even if people in the FBI don't like Trump. And incidentally, there's not what the FBI, for all we know, is right. You know, 
has some people in it who probably voted for Trump. So, but they're not going to manufacture. So if there's nothing to fear, if he goes home at night and thinks I didn't talk to a single Russian, I was pretty careful to tell my right. campaign not to do so. There's no paper that's going to come out that's right. going to implicate me in anything. So I got nothing to worry about. Then he shouldn't worry, and he should take the attitude of I'm not going to worry. Instead, he is. It is the you know the, he doth protest too much, and it does make you wonder. Honestly, it makes me. I have also sort of poo pooed the notion that he could be directly dragged into this, but he's he's protesting so much. You do wonder is is he worried about something? And so that's why I get back to the crazy response. These responses seem crazy. I love. Senator Lindsey Graham, I'm going to prove to you I have no Trump connections. I sent you a letter, and it was certified. Oh, well. Well, now that you've played the certified letter card, when when you have your tax lawyers go out and say, we looked at his documents, and we can assure you that other than the Moscow Miss Universe pageant and a a single piece of land, he has no debt or no investments with Russia. Okay, well, could we see the documents? No, but I sent you a certified letter bill. What more do you need? No. I mean, this is where he's making it worse. This this week has consisted of a day after day of his digging the hole deeper. And everyone keeps saying, oh, could you please stop digging? I think at this point you could still maybe back out of this and, and you know, right. nothing, no no huge effect. I mean, think of the FBI thing just by itself. Again, I think the one thing I would say is the media, and we're guilty of this too, is, you know, we're so interested, the PR day to day is so interesting right. and dramatic and he's crazy and he's psychologically this and he can't help that right. we sort of lose sight of the actual like what's really going to happen you know and the implications of it the one thing that happened this week is he fired the FBI director yep. the one main implication of that he has to now nominate an FBI director right think of what he's done to himself on that mm-hmm. he is now constrained the kind of person he can right. put in there it not only can't be a Trump loyalist I would almost say it can't be anyone who's ever done anything right. for or with him it almost can't be a Republican right. at this point you know or at mm-hmm. least it has to be a very nonpartisan type Republican US attorney retired federal judge he is guaranteed a more aggressive FBI investigation with more scrutiny with less bending over or backwards or no bending That's over right. backwards to ever give him the benefit of the doubt than before. That's the actual concrete result of what he did this week. There's only one Republican that I can think of that the Democrats would go along with to be the FBI director under Trump, Bill Kristol. Yeah, I mean, right. seriously, I mean, it has to be, I, I, I think it's gone beyond that. I think it has to be someone who people see as antagonistic towards a president, or at least in some area, like on the reti- issue of ethics, like yeah. some kind of super like ethics guy or gal, you know, someone that really, right. that's their thing. He can't just have like a neutral, good old, you know, I remember right. Bill Cohen was, well, was the secretary I was thinking about this. So Kelly Ayotte's name has been mentioned, the mm-hmm. former, the Republican senator from New Hampshire, right. was not a Trump supporter. I think she may have ended right. up saying she couldn't vote for Trump after the uh, Access Hollywood sure. tape. She then shepherded around Judge Gorsuch when he became uh, first confirmation and did, did a good job of that, apparently. So she's not a Trump Republican. She is, however, a former Republican senator for six years. And I do wonder whether right. even something like someone like her would look like, well, she's partisan, former mm-hmm. senator. I would have said earlier, if you had asked you two weeks exactly. ago, if they had handled this well, Kelly Ayotte would have been confirmed 92 to 8 oh, for FBI directing. Easily. John Kyle, the retired Republican from Arizona, mm-hmm. would have been confirmed 100 to 0. I think they almost now look right. two-partisan. So he's created in the real world of a real FBI investigation, which is happening. Mm-hmm. He may think it's there's nothing to right. it, but it's happening. He's made that tougher on him. He's going to and the scrutiny of the Justice Department will now be very, very high. And it's not like there it isn't full of lawyers of justice who are pretty smart people. Some of whom aren't very friendly to Donald Trump. Some of whom probably are friends mm-hmm. in the media, et cetera. So if he doesn't like leaks, he's created an environment of of just. 
where everyone's going to leak. He's put Comey on the spot. I mean, he's he boasts about Comey telling him three times. So right. now Comey, I don't really blame Comey on background telling people, sure. well, here are the circumstances. I mean, Comey's got to defend himself, his integrity now. Mm-hmm. So he, he just has created almost the worst possible circumstances, it seems. I'm sorry. I'm sticking with the Bill Crystal FBI director. I like because, that idea, well, though. Because I, mean, I have a bunch of parking tickets, and I think maybe you as a, anyway, we'll talk I think about the that. Podcast, the FBI podcast would be huge, you know. <laughs> FBI Clear Absolutely. with Bill Crystal. Yeah. Proudly sponsored by Dollar Shave Club, which, by the way, is making this podcast possible. We appreciate their support. I am a Dollar Shave Club member. It is the smarter choice. I'm a new member, and I can tell you that you will get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no brainer. You don't have to schlep to the store and buy cheap disposable razors that give you a cheap shave or spend a fortune, and it is a fortune, on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you don't need. And I have my fancy schmancy. My wife made me spend a ton of money on this razor and the cartridges are a gazillion dollars razor right next to my Dollar Shave Club razor. And the Dollar Shave Club razor looks better, feels better, has better heft, and does at least a good job, if not better, than the other razor. So I don't know what you're waiting for particularly when we have this great deal for you for listening to the podcast. You can get your first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. This is a $15 value for only $5, and all you have to do is go to dollarshaveclub.com slash crystal, K-R-I-S-T-O-L, dollarshaveclub slash crystal. You get this first month, great deal, and then after that, replacement cartridges just ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees, no commitments, and you can cancel anytime you like. But you won't cancel because you're going to be like me. You're going to love Dollar Shave Club. DollarShaveClub.com slash crystal. Okay, Bill, you tweeted out on Friday this question. Genuinely curious about the collective judgment of the Twitterverse. Will Donald Trump serve out his term? As we speak, you've had almost 5,000 respondents. Care to guess the percentage of will he stay and will he go? I mean, I was genuinely curious uh, on the way Twitter works. Those are presumably mostly people who follow me. So probably not wildly pro-Trump. Though, on the other hand, conservative-leading. But by now, the thing's probably been retweeted, and so other people are chiming in. I think it's got several thousand answers. I guess I would guess, I haven't looked actually, 50-50? I don't know. 74% he's out of here. Only 26% he stays. And that is, the to me, the big question. This is the time, this week is the week that I feel like it crossed over from, why did Michael Graham ask Bill Crystal in their first podcast with whether Trump would serve four years? And you remember you said at the time something like, well, the fact that that's not a crazy question is interesting, to people really seriously asking themselves this question. I have a theory. It's the... Uh, Bucking Bronco, if you will, theory. Trump is just not built for this job. He's just not. This is his character, everything. So he's either going to get broken by it, like, you know, kind of get in the saddle, find some way to accommodate, you know, they, they take away his phone for 12 hours a day or something. But whatever that is inside of him that lets him sit still and use the right silverware <laughs> is going to get enough, you know, self-discipline. He's going to fit to this job or he's going to bail. He is not going to spend another three and a half years doing this. Those are the only two options, and I p- predict it's the latter, Bill Crystal. Yeah, I think that would have sounded like you know predicting a one in fifty chance right. two weeks ago, and now it's predicting I don't know one, one in, in 10. ten, one in five. I mean, I do think we're now in like double digit percentages. <laughs> you know, serious people are sitting around. I've had conversations on the Hill this week and with other Republicans, former Republican 
uh, very senior office holders and previous administrations, those types. And it's sort of like, gee, it's not impossible. You know, either, he, as you say, he'll get tired of it or he'll be pressured or he'll lose the midterm elections in the House and decide what's the point of even trying the last two years. I've accomplished X, Y, and right. Z. Um, the damage he's done to his own legislative agenda. I mean, he was able to drag the health care bill through the House. He had some personal loyalty from congressmen. You know, does he have, does he hold that? Maybe. Right. Which, again, we, could, we can all overestimate and, sure. and overreact to these kinds of day-to-day, week-to-week events. I stipulate that. And maybe three weeks from now, he'll have a foreign policy success, and we'll all be saying, you know, right. he's settling into the presidency. It's not so bad. And there's some evidence like the foreign policy uh, uh, team is working well together and so forth. But, yeah, I think now it's it's less crazy than it was to really wonder about whether he would quit, whether uh, the Democrats would win the House and launch impeachment. And it wouldn't look ludicrous. It wouldn't right. be just John Conyers or, you know, uh, <laughs> a few, you know, uh, sure. sort of uh, crazed left-wingers. It would be a respectable effort by the whole party in a way like the opposite of the Clinton, the, the reverse of the sure. Clinton thing in 98. So, um yeah, it's an, it's it, this could well have did a very big week, and just the things he's been saying. You got to understand that when I when my spokesman stands up at the podium, you're gonna get a few things wrong. I mean, and it's the White House, you know. Yeah, fine. If you're like announcing a baseball game in real time, you're gonna be wrong sure. on a couple of your judgment calls about you know whether this was an error right. or a hit or whether mm-hmm. it was the right call to send the runner home. But this is like the president's spokesman. It's not too much to expect that he won't routinely he, he or she won't routinely mislead people. Right. Well, maybe he should he should just hand out written statements so there won't be any problems. Oh wait, he contradicted his written statement. Right, <laughs> right. And, well, and, so, and that's also what I what I was struck talking to people on the hill just to kind of. So this is back more on the PR side or the management right. side than the, from the legal side. For me, the legal legal side remains very problematic. But in the sense that just once these investigations mm-hmm. get going, even if there is no underlying crime, people can say things in the course of the investigations to get you in trouble and then lead to other people getting in trouble, and so forth. But on the management side. As one Republican uh, congressman put it to me, I mean, again, just like what's going on there? Right. Is is there no adult supervision? Is it total chaos? How could they let it play out this way? And I, it rattles you. And then when it comes to the next conversation you have with them on a policy matter, you sort of think, gee, if they couldn't like watch out right. on his own political preservation, how are we sure they've thought through the implications of this health care bill? How do they know it's not going to be chaos in a year when I'm up for re-election in November 2018? So these things do spill over some. So if you got a call tomorrow to come work at the White House, no, in a serious call, like if Trump said, you know what, I realize I've kind of gotten a cul-de-sac, I want to do, uh, they usually call, who's the guy they always call, everyone always calls? Uh, David Gergen. David Gergen, yeah. yeah Advisor to seven yeah, presidents. Exactly. So you get the David Gergen call. Do you, Bill Crystal, go? You know, it's funny. I talked to several people about this this week. Not about me, but about others. <laughs> others. And I, a friend of mine got a call from someone at the White House saying, hey, we, we need some more people here, good people. Right. And we're willing to be a little less picky here about what they've said in the right. past and give us some names. And my friend said, senior, middle level, uh, all levels. You know, So th- some people there realize they have a problem. And then my friend also said, isn't the problem President Trump? I mean, he's not going to exactly. listen to, you know, this person who's mm-hmm. 64 years old, who's been in three White Houses, or this person who's 33 years old, who's a bright young guy. If he's not going to listen to either of them, what's the point of them going in? But I, I, I'm very ambivalent about that. I wrote an editorial this week in a, fence, in a sense defending and, and praising 
people who have put country first, gone into an administration they're not entirely comfortable with, the president, they, they probably weren't thrilled about seeing him win the presidency, certainly win the nomination. But nonetheless, uh, they're, this is mostly in foreign policy, I would say. People who think, you know what, four years, we've got to have responsible foreign policy. Obama left us in a terrible hole. Let's try to get us the country out of that, et cetera. And I, I admire H.R. McMaster and Mike Pompeo and a lot of other people in there in foreign policy. But it's not just foreign policy. It's important if someone asks you to go to the Justice Department and appoint good judges. Right. That's something that's a legacy that lingers last beyond this, this next four years. White House is a little different, because there you're really working directly for the president. It's a little more of a communications job, you right. might say. You're not helping run an agency. But I, I, I wonder how they'll be, how much, how the recruiting will go now yeah. for these second and third tier jobs that they've been slow to fill. There's a lot of good that could be done with a Republican administration and a Republican Congress if you're a conservative. I was talking to someone today who knows a lot about education policy. Not a front burner issue, but it could, it could use some reform. There's a lot that could be done in higher education. A lot that would really have good implica- good, good, you know, means things down right. the road. Can they get the people in to do it? I mean, this is where I hope so. I do think people should not, you know, eat. look, a lot of good people worked in the second term of Nixon. It ended up being a total fiasco, but people were not disqualified for forever. Right. George Schultz and, you know, many other people. It was kind of comical, of course, when Henry Kissinger showed up in <laughs> the Oval Office the day after Comey is fired, just to like, first exactly. it was the Russian ambassador and foreign minister, and then Henry Kissinger, just to bring home, like, hey, in case exactly. you had a Nixon comparison in mind, here's Henry Kissinger. And then stopping off for drinks with Woodward and Bernstein. Not the smartest yeah, right. move, that's I mean, what I'm it's, thinking. It's so, you, so you mentioned Nixon. I want to wrap up with this. How Nixon is Trump. And is Trump, I'm trying to, I don't want to be mean to people. I really right. don't. I know people voted for Donald Trump. People in my family voted for Donald Trump. They really supported Donald Trump. I'm trying to mean, but is Trump like the dumb Nixon? In other words, all of the problems that Nixon had with trust and you know mistrust and his personal, he just couldn't get past his own fear that somehow he was being demeaned or wasn't, you know, that he had that, that whole insecurity issue. But he was really smart on foreign policy in particular. This is Donald Trump just without the really smart part. So my first vote was for Nixon in 72, and I, uh, over the years since then, always defended it, and I still do, in the sense that I think the country was better off for all the disaster of Watergate and, and the personal you know, culpability Nixon had. Having Nixon and Ford for four years was better for the country, I think, than McGovern in certain important ways. Though a lot of bad things happened there, was Nixon was so weakened with Vietnam and Cambodia and stuff. Still, he, a total meltdown was prevented, I think, because Ford, Kissinger, uh, Schlesinger, those people, Jim Schlesinger, those people were serious. And I, so I, have, I didn't vote for Trump, but I have no problem with people making the same argument to defend having voted for Trump, whatever happens to Trump sure. here. And maybe we'll end up with a Pence administration <laughs> and Nikki Haley will become vice president and, you know, we'll all think it's still better than Hillary. I mean, that is one thing I was struck by talking with someone in the administration this right. week. I mean, the degree to which Obama left this country in bad shape, especially in the world, and for all of Hillary to talk that she would be tougher and stuff, mm-hmm. there's not much evidence she would have reversed anything. So. I have no problem with people defending a vote for Trump, even if it ends up as badly as I have often, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes thought it would. It would. Um, so is he? I don't know. I joked. I think early in the term, you and I joked about this. Yeah. This is could the Trump first term be the Nixon Nixon second term? And I again, I would have thought that was kind of a reach <laughs> exactly. earlier on. It's getting a little more that way. We did not know at the time, and I was you know in college, so I'm not sure I trust my memory on this. But I believe we didn't know. 
sort of the, how unstable Nixon was near right. the end. I think that came out later in those books, mm-hmm. and there's still a dispute about what, if those books are entirely accurate and whether they exaggerated it. With Trump, of course, it's enti- he's the most transparent president we've ever had, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's all, you know, he wakes up yes. and he tweets stuff. Nixon mm-hmm. would have told these things to Haldeman, which we would have learned about Ten, right. In a book two years later, or in the you know Nixon Library thirty years later, right. or something, with tweet with Trump, you see it right away. <laughs> and, but I think it's unnerving to people, right? You know, and, sure. and and you do sort of wonder what does H.R. McMaster sort of think each morning when he gets up and he has to go into the Oval, and now what has the impression that on the big decisions, the bombing of Syria and things like that. They've had a pretty good process. Trump himself has been able to be serious about it. So maybe he just divides himself, you know, maybe right. he's just compartmentalizing. Re- compartmentalizes. Yeah. And maybe when someone says this is a matter of, you know, war and peace, this is a matter of right. major legislation that will affect people's well being, Trump steps back and says, okay, let's have a serious right. discussion of it. Let's hope that he can compartmentalize in that way. The last, last piece is the idea of shutting down the press, daily presser. I. If you're going to do them this badly, my thought is, then cancel them. But an interesting theory, our friends of the Washington Examiner, Emily Jashinsky, one of their young editorial writers, she says, I'm wrong, that I think they're losers because I watch the whole thing. But all over America, you have people who get a 30-second clip in their Facebook that's the Spicer, you know, punching some reporter, you know, and making Trump look good or making the press look bad or at least taking the fight to them. And that they're ha- they don't mind the hour of disaster as long as they get that clip. Would it be good or bad for Trump pragmatically to wind these up and have Sean Spicer do something more suitable to his skills? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we everyone's always hated those. Every White House one is in. I the one I was in, but I've talked to people in all the subsequent ones. Always thought you just sending your poor press secretary right. out to get pummeled. But they also made the, the political guys would come back and say, "Well, you know what? We did get our side of it out, right. and that was worth something." And I'm sorry, Mike McCurry or right. Ari Fleischer or whoever <laughs> was getting Josh Ernest was getting beaten up right. that day, but it was in the president's interest. Is that still the case? I don't know. I mean, if 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 it totally generates stories that are just he contradicts what Trump had said, and then Trump has to contradict and clean up what right. he has said. At some point, you do wonder if there's diminishing returns. On the other hand, I don't know. Someone's going to talk to the press, I suppose. And uh, one advantage of having the press secretary do it is you can sort of def- everyone else can say, well, I can ask the press secretary mm-hmm. later. And so you could devolve into a real free for all if there's not a press briefing. You know, six different people are taking phone calls from reporters. Right. That has its own downside, too, obviously. So, in either or answer, a modified limited hangout from totally. Bill Crystal, exactly what we'd expect in this, expect in this Nixon themed podcast. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Bill. We appreciate it. Yeah, my, my, my pleasure, Michael. <laughs> and uh, thank you, whoever's taping this from the White House. We appreciate your audio skills. You've been listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. Have a question or comment about the podcast? We want to hear from you. Podcasts at weeklystandard.com. Also, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or Google Play. It's The Daily Standard Podcast. That way you'll get Bill every Friday, you'll get the Confab every weekend, and you'll get our daily podcasts from great people like Steve Hayes, Fred Barnes, Michael Warren, and the whole Weekly Standard gang. That's Weekly Standard Podcast at iTunes or Google Play, wherever you find them. Just search and you'll find us there. Thanks again for listening. Really appreciate it. I'm your host, Michael Graham. <laughs>